Welcome back, everybody, to our series on Grace for the Afflicted by Matthew Stanford. We're doing Section 2, Part 1 today. We're going to be going over mental disorders, and we're doing Chapters 5, uh, 6, and 7 today. So we're going to just go ahead and jump right into it. And um, first of all, though, I would like to say thank everyone. I thank everyone who's been listening and for all of your support throughout our first few episodes and um, thank you so much we we have been enjoying this and we have gotten so much love and support and it's truly been a blessing and so let's get started so starting with chapter five um, a lost mind this is about the uh, about schizophrenia spectrum and other psychotic disorders I do not know what we would do without the Lord and his people. They have strengthened us and helped carry this incredible burden. They have made us see that our children can be used mightily by God to reach others, that that no one else without a mental illness could possibly reach. Jennifer, a mother of a son who is diagnosed with schizophrenia. To people in her small Texas town, Jillian was an all-American girl everyone wished to be. Led to Christ by her grandfather at the age of six, she remembers always being involved in church. A straight-A student who enjoyed competing in beauty pageants, she hoped to attend the same Christian college as her oldest sister. And at home, however, not everything was as it appeared. Conflict in her parents, uh, marriage, and the traumatic effects of childhood sexual abuse had set the stage for mental health difficulties to come. After graduating from high school, Jillian moved away from home for the first time to attend college. It wasn't long before she recognized that something was wrong. She lacked motivation. Everything was not her usual level of achievement. She started restricting when and what she ate and became obsessed with exercise. Her college friend, Uh, friends voiced their concerns to her. The second semester of her freshman year was even worse. Her depression deepened, her grades dropped further, and her problems with food had increased. She says, I feel like I was falling apart. A hoped-for rest during the summer was replaced with by a roller coaster of emotional highs and lows. Her parents suggest that she was placed or she was transferred to the local college so she could live at home and go to school. The move changed nothing. She continued to struggle. The voices started in the spring. By July, she was sitting in her room at home, motionless and unable to respond to questions from her family. That month, she was hospitalized for the first time. Eight days in the psychiatric hospital brought a diagnosis of schizophrenia disorder. After being discharged, Jillian admits that she wasn't com- uh, she wasn't compliant with taking her medication over the next several months. I didn't think I was re- I really needed it. By the fall, she had lost so much weight that she had to spend four months at a facility that specialized in eating disorders. After leaving the eating disorder facility, she felt like things were on the right track. Her eating problems were under control and she was not experiencing the voices due to her daily medication and she moved back in with her parents, found a part-time job and began 
attending an intensive disciplineship and training program at her church. It was several months later, just before she left on a short-term mission trip, that she um, began to start hearing the voices again. Several months passed, and the voices intensified. The stress of her first serious romantic relationship, the pain of working through her childhood sexual abuse and therapy, and not taking her medication regularly were the perfect storm that threw her into a delusional state. She found herself hospitalized once again. After two weeks, she was discharged. The next few months were some of the most difficult um, as her psychiatrist worked to find the right mix of medication to manage her symptoms. The emotional highs and lows, suicidal thoughts, auditory hallucinations, and delusions finally ended. That was three years ago. Today, Julian is is finishing up college and expects to graduate. She takes medication daily and receives regular psychotherapy. She told me her illness has strengthened her faith. During the difficult times, I did ask God, why do I have to go through this? He simply told me, I haven't asked you to understand why, but I love you and I am with you. That's when I really started believing God was with me in the struggle. The illness has taught me that I don't have to have it all together for God. I can rely on him to get me through. My disorder drives me to God. It has caused me to be more dependent on him. The symptoms of the schizophrenia spectrum disorder fall into two broad categories, positive and negative. Positive symptoms are abnormal thoughts, perceptions, and behaviors that most individuals do not normally experience. These include delusions, hallucinations, disorganized thinking, and grossly disorganized behavior. Delusions are strongly held false beliefs despite evidence to the contrary. Several delusional themes are commonly seen in schizophrenia, including persecution, the belief that one is going to be harmed or harassed by another, reference, the belief that certain gestures, comments, and or environmental cues are directed at you, grandiosity, the individual believes that they have exceptional abilities, wealth, or fame, jealousy, the belief that the individual's spouse or lover is unfaithful, and there's um, several more that fall under this category. Hallucinations are experiences involving the apparent perception of something not present. These experiences can occur in relation to many of the senses, but auditory hallucinations are the most common in the schizophrenia spectrum disorder. Auditory hallucinations are usually experienced as voices perceived as distinct from individuals' own thoughts. Disorganized thinking is typically uh, recognized in speech of the individual with schizophrenia. They may show loose um, associations by switching from one topic to another. In rare instances, speech may be so severely disorganized that is incomprehensible. Grossly disorganized behavior may manifest itself in a variety of ways, ranging from childlike silliness to unpredictable agitation. Individuals with schizophrenia often have difficulty uh, formulating and producing goal-directed behavior. Catatonic behavior is a marked decrease in reactivity to the environment. Individuals exhibiting catatonomy appear to be completely unaware of their environment, and they maintain a rigid posture and resist efforts to be moved. 
Negative symptoms are the loss or decrease of an ability that is normally present. Common negative symptoms been, uh, seen in schizophrenia include diminished emotional expre um, expression, decreased motivation, lack of speech, lack of interest in social interactions, and a decreased ability to experience pleasure from enjoyable activities and experiences. It is estimated that schizophrenia affects 0.3 to 0.7% of the population. The onset of schizophrenia occurs between the late teens and early 30s. The disorder affects men and women equally, although symptoms generally appear earlier in men in their late teens or early 20s than in women in their late 20s or early 30s. Schizophrenia disorder appears to be less common than schizophrenia. Uh, schizophrenia with a lifetime prevalence estimated at 0.3% of the population. The age of onset for schizoactivity uh, schizo disorder is late teens to early 20s. Schizoaffective disorder is more common in women than men. Given that schizophrenia is predominantly a biological-driven de uh, disorder, medication will always be a major component of any treatment plan. Like diabetes, schizophrenia is a chronic condition that requires constant lifelong management. The treatments include um, antipsychotics or uh, psychosocial therapy. This is not how Nancy had dreamed her life would turn out. Taking care of 33-year-old schizophrenic son is not something most people consider as a future possibility when they are blessed with, ch with a child. Nancy says Daniel was always a difficult child. As an infant, he had a number of allergies, especially to food and, a dif and difficulty sleeping. As he grew older and his behavior became more extreme, he was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Not wanting to give him medication, Nancy and her husband decided to use an alternative treatment and diet to control his behavior. Despite their best efforts, Daniel was always in trouble at school. Nancy tried homeschooling him for a time, but ultimately the family sent Daniel off to Marine Military Academy for troubled boys. Difficulties in the marriage were only magnified by a child with behavioral problems, and the couple divorced when Daniel was in high school. Daniel dropped out of high school, but later earned his GED. He enrolled in a technical college to study computer science, but soon dropped out. Several other attempts to earn a degree um, ended in failure. Daniel made his first suicide attempt at 30 in the hospital. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Nancy was shocked. Between high school and the first psychiatric hospitalization, Daniel had bounced around between living with Nancy, his father, and a number of girlfriends. He held few jobs, the longest which lasted for slightly over a year. I always just thought he was lazy. I saw most of his problems as, as spiritual. I never considered that he might have a mental disorder. Two years later, Daniel was hospitalized again for slashing his throat. At that time, Nancy finally reached out for help. When I first started seeing Nancy, Daniel had been living with her for several months and denied he had a mental illness and refused to see a psychiatrist or take medication. Working only with Nancy, we were able to bring structure and routine to Daniel's daily life, as well as minimize conflict and build effective communication between the two of them. After three months, Daniel agreed to go to a psychiatrist and, pres and is presently taking medication. 
Today, Nancy says, our relationship is better than it has ever been. When I first called you, I had no hope, but today I see things improving and I have hope for the future. The Bible describes two individuals whose thoughts and behavior suggested they were suffering from a psychotic disorder on the schizophrenia spectrum. Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon during the Second Babylon Empire. Born in 630 BC, he came to the throne at the age of 25 upon the death of his father. book of Daniel, specifically chapter 4, in a Babylonian cuneiform, I think I said that right, tablet fragment housed at the British Museum, described Nebuchadnezzar's psychosis. He called together all the wise men of his kingdom, the magicians, the astrologers, and uh, diviner, but they were unable to explain the dream to him. Finally, the prophet Daniel was consulted and interpreted the dream. Daniel told the king that the tree represented Nebuchadnezzar himself, and because of his sin, God was going to remove the kingdom from him for seven years. God would do this by changing Nebuchadnezzar's mind from that of a man to that of an animal in Daniel 5.21. The king would be driven away from the people, eating grass and living out in the element like an animal. The Babylonian cuneiform tablet fragment adds that during this time, likely the 12 months leading up to the beginning of his psychosis, Nebuchadnezzar was depressed and began giving uh, contradictory orders, refused to accept counsel of his coers, was unemotional, neglected his family, and was unable to perform his duties as king. Twelve months after the dream, Nebuchadnezzar became delusional, believing himself to be an animal. The delusion that one is an animal, called lycothropy, while rare, has been documented throughout history, with the description of Nebuchadnezzar's psychosis being the most ancient modern uh, psychiatric patients with lycotherapy, I think I said that right, have been diagnosed with a variety of psychotic disorders, including schizophrenia, schizoactive disorder, and depressive psychosis. When viewed within a modern diagnostic context, Nebuchadnezzar appears to meet the criteria for a schizoactive disorder, although depressive psychosis can't be completely ruled out. In Nebuchadnezzar's case, God used a mental disorder as discipline. However, we should not generalize this to every uh, case of mental illness. God certainly could choose to bring mental illness into our lives as a discipline in Deuteronomy 28.28, but if we were to mistakenly generalize that mental illness is always the result of God's discipline, then we would also have to consider common problems such as boils, tumors, scabs, and itching, Deuteronomy 28 through 20, and 27, to always be signs of God's discipline. Although the story is reported in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew 8, 28 through 34, Mark 5, 1 through 20, and Luke 8, 26 through 39, very little information is given in the relation uh, to the Gardenance Demonica's background in history. I probably butchered that once again. We all know that I am awful at pronouncing some of these names. (laughs) We do know he was from a Gentile region southeast of the Sea of Galilee and that he had been suffering for an extended period of time. 
After crossing the Sea of Galilee with his disciples claiming the storm or calming the storm, Jesus was immediately confronted by a man and two men in Matthew, who was possessed by a large number of demons collectively referred to as Legion. This man is described as being naked and extremely violent. He lived among the tombs, cried out day and night, and cut himself with sharp stones. The people of the nearby town had in the past um, attempted to restrain the man with ropes and chains, but they were no longer able to control him. He was greatly feared by the people and had become a problem in the region because he would not allow anyone to pass through the area where he lived. With a simple command, Jesus cast out the demons. The demon entered a herd of pigs who immediately rushed into the lake and drowned. When viewed within a modern diagnostic context, this man appears to meet the criteria for schizophrenia. The guardian, or Gardiner's demonica's mental disorder was the result of demonic possession and infirmity. Not all mental illness is the result of the demonic, similar to the case of Nebuchadnezzar. If we were to mistakenly generalize all mental illness to be a result of the demonic, then we would also have to consider the common problems such as boils, Job 2 through 7 or 2 and 7, back troubles, Luke 13:10 through 16, blindness, Matthew 12:22, mutism, Matthew 9:23 through 33 and Luke 11:14, and epilepsy. Matthew 17, 14 through 18, Mark 19, 17 through 27, Luke 9, 37 through 42, to always be signs of demonic possession. I believe that there are two consistent themes we see in these biblical examples of psychosis. First, God is actively pursuing his lost sheep in the midst of mental illness. God had long pursued the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar, and Jesus traveled a great distance to encounter the demonically possessed man. He longs for a relationship with us, and mental illness should not be seen as a mark of shame, but as an opportunity to know him more. Second, we see that mental illness can be transformational. It can be a transformational experience, drawing one closer to God. Mental health difficulties do not hinder God's purpose, nor do they in any way affect God's plan for one's life. It was during their psychosis that pagan king was transformed into a follower of Yahweh, and the demonically possessed man encountered the long-awaited Messiah. now move on to chapter 6 which is called tormented this section is on bipolar and related disorders patty duke says my recovery from manic depression has been an evolution not a sudden miracle bipolar disorders are characterized by cycling mood changes the affected individual alternates between severe highs which are manic or episodes and severe lows, which is like major depressive episodes, often with periods of normal mood in between. The mood changes can be rapid, but most often occur gradually. A manic episode is a distinct period of increased energy and abnormally elated, irritable, or euphoric mood that is present for most of the day, nearly every day for at least one week. During the episode, three or more of the following symptoms must also be present. 
higher than usual self-esteem, significantly reduced need for sleep, an increase in talkativeness, racing thoughts, distractibility, an increase in goal-directed behavior, either socially at work or school, or psychomotor agitation and an excessive involvement in pleasurable activities that are risky or self-destructive. Mania left untreated may worsen to a psychotic state. A hypomanic episode is less intense and shorter duration, at least four consecutive days, than a full manic episode. The most important differences between mania and hypomania are the latter is not severe enough to cause marked impairment in daily functioning or to require hospitalization and non-psychotic features are present. A major depressive episode is characterized by either a a persistent depressed mood or loss of interest or pleasure in daily activities over at least a two-week period. Four or more of the following symptoms must be present. Significant weight change or or change in appetite. Sleeping too much or not being able to sleep. Psychomotor agitation or retardation. Fatigue or loss of energy. Feelings of worthlessness or excessive guilt. Much like schizophrenia, the bipolar disorder disorders are chronic, biologically driven, problems that require medication for effective symptom management. In addition, several forms of psychotherapy, like talk therapy, have been shown to be effective in treatment of the bipolar disorder. Lithium anticovasculants, atypical and antiseptics, and psychotherapy are all methods of treatment for the disorder. Historically, among both theologians and psychiatrists, the biblical character most commonly thought to have suffered from a mental disorder is Israel's King Saul. After three years of being led by a set of judges, men and women called by God to lead his people in times of crisis, the Israelites asked God for a king to rule over them. God answered their request by choosing Saul the son of King of Kish, from the tribe of Benjamin. He is described as wealthy, handsome, and taller than all of the other men of Israel. God tells the prophet Samuel that Saul will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines uh, in 1 Samuel 9.16. At this time in history, Israel was set um, of loosely associated tribes with no central government. They were easy prey for their stronger, more organized neighbors. It was Saul's job to take these loose tribes and transition them into a centralized monarchy. King Saul ruled Israel for 42 years, dying by suicide at the age of 72. 1 Samuel 9, 1 through 31 and 13, and the writings of Titus, the first century Roman Jewish historian, both give details of King Saul's mental illness. Saul's strange, abnormal behavior is evident from the beginning of his reign. On the same day that he is secretly anointed as king or by the prophet Samuel, Saul meets a group of ecstatic prophets and he begins to prophesy. And the scriptures note that this behavior seemed strange to those who knew Saul. Once, when prophesying in his house, he tried to kill David with a spear. On another occasion, while searching for David, he begins to prophesy 
strips off his clothes and lies naked on the ground in front of the prophet Samuel for a day and a night. Thus, we see that the prophecy sometimes indicated abnormal behavior to the Hebrews of the Old Testament. For example, Jeremiah 29:26 refers to a madman who acts as prophets. Acting as a prophet and being mad are virtually equated in this verse. In addition, Saul um, fled into several homicidal rages in which he attempts to kill David on two occasions and his own son Jonathan on another. Taking together these examples of this behavior suggests that Saul experienced several manic episodes during his lifetime. 27 years into Saul's reign as king, God informed Saul through the prophet Samuel that he will remove the kingdom from him due to his disobedience. At this time, God removes his spirit from Saul and places it on David. From this point forward in Saul's life, he is intermittently tormented by an evil spirit. When the evil spirit torments him, he shows episodes of overexcited mania or dark depression and fear. His physicians suggest music therapy to treat his affliction. This is how Saul is originally introduced to David, who is able to soothe Saul's tormented mind as a harp player. During these episodes, I think it is important to recognize that tormenting evil spirit was not the punishment for Saul's disobedience. The loss of the kingdom was. When God removed his empowering and protective spirit from Saul, the king became vulnerable to demonic attack. These demonic attacks appear to have been taking advantage of Saul's already present mental vulnerabilities and weaknesses. His behavior was odd and abnormal even before the tormenting evil spirit. As Saul's mind continued to deteriorate over his reign, he showed increasing paranoia toward those around him, sudden change in mood, restlessness, feelings of worthlessness, loss of appetite, difficulty making decisions, and poor judgment. The night before his death, during what appears to have been a major depressive episode, he desperately sought guidance from the spirit of the dead Samuel through a witch. The fact that only Saul heard the voice of Samuel and that only after God would not answer him, 1 Samuel 28, 6, suggests that he may have been having an auditory hallucination. The following day after being wounded in battle against the Philistines, Saul killed himself so he would not be captured by by the enemy. When viewed within a modern diagnostic context, King Saul appears to meet the criteria for bipolar 1 disorder. While we often think of the story of King Saul as a tragic tale, the fact is he was a successful ruler who God used powerfully within within redemptive history. Within the first two and a half years of his reign, he freed the Jewish people from all of their enemies except the Philistines. Saul oversaw military victories against Moab, Ammonon, and Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Amalekites, with the territory Saul established and trained an army to defend the country from the invaders, outlawed pagan rituals, and sought God's guidance until the end of his reign. In addition, God used Saul to fulfill at least two prophecies mentioned prior to his reign. During the exodus from Egypt, God promised to wipe out the Amalekites because of their aggression toward his people, Deuteronomy 25.19. Hundreds of years later, God uses Saul to fulfill that prophecy in 1 Samuel 15. 
A few decades before Saul was anointed king, God told the judge of the high priest, Eli, that his house would be cut off from the priesthood due to his family's disobedience, 1 Samuel 2.30-31. Again, God uses Saul to begin the fulfillment of this prophecy, 1 Samuel 22.18. King Saul prepares the way for Israel's golden age under David and Solomon. There are two lessons to be learned from this biblical example of bipolar disorder. First, the mentally ill are not to be stigmatized, excluded, or neglected. The behavior of David, Saul's court, and Saul's family in response to his madness stands in stark contrast to shame and stigmatization that presently exists in the church towards those with mental illness. But they also included him in decisions concerning his treatment. 1 Samuel 16, 15-18. This is a wonderful example of how we should treat those living with mental illness among us today. Second, the presence of mental illness does not alter that the perfect purpose and plan God has for a person's life. God chose Saul to be king knowing his condition. At the appointed time in redemptive history, Saul fulfilled the sovereign plan God had laid out before him. His illness did not altered that plan, but rather in one's instances was actually a necessary part of God's will being done in 1 Samuel 22, 17. Now we move on to chapter 7, which is the Valley of Darkness, which we're dealing with depression. Uh, Chris, with a, he has been diagnosed with a major depressive disorder, says, Although I still suffer with depression and even suicidal thoughts, I have come to understand that God is not disgusted by me for it. The characteristic symptom of the depressive disorder is persistently depressed and empty mood, a period of sadness or melancholy that occurs in reaction to a personal loss or trauma, is often referred to as reactive depressive or depression. While in some instances of reactive depression may be severe enough to require treatment, it is normally a short duration of self-correcting. In the depressive disorder, however, the depressed mood arises spontaneously and is long-lasting. The symptoms are severe and the individual is unable to function normally. As described in chapter 6, a major depressive episode is characterized by either a persistent depressed mood or loss of interest or pleasure in daily activities over at least a two-week period. Four or more of the following symptoms also must be present. Significant weight change and change in appetite, sleeping too much or not being able to sleep, psychomotor agitation or retardation, fatigue or loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness or excessive guilt, and inability to concentrate or indecisiveness and a recurrent suicidal thought. The lifetime prevalence of the depressive disorders in the United States is estimated to be 16.6% of the major depressive disorder and 2.5% of persistent depressive disorder. The depressive disorders occur more commonly in women than men. The age of onset for the first major depressive episode is usually late adolescence or early adulthood. Although the first episode can occur at any age, a family history of depression increases the likelihood that a child will also have a depressive disorder. Major depressive disorders is the leading cause of disability in the United States and the second leading cause of disability worldwide. A number of psychosocial factors and life experiences increase the likelihood that a person will suffer from a depressive disorder. Childhood risk factors include parental loss or separation, 
abandonment, neglect, or physical or sexual abuse. Individuals who have an extremely negative outlook on life, marked by low self-esteem and self-defeating uh, or distorted thinking, are more likely to develop depressive episodes in response to stressful life events. Additional risk factors that increase the risks uh, for major depressive de episodes include low socioeconomic status, little or no social support, chronic sleep problems, chronic or disabling medical conditions, significant stress from negative life events such as loss of a job, financial difficulties, long-term unemployment, death of a family member, or divorce may also play a role in triggering a depressive episode. And while depression is a dark and painful disorder, a number of effective treatments have been developed that can bring significant relief to those who are suffering. More than 82% of people with depressive disorder improve when they receive appropriate treatment, which is antidepressants, psychotherapy, and a transmanical magnetic stimulation are all methods of treating depression. A number of individuals in scriptures are reported to have experienced um, periods of profound sadness and grief that might be considered depression, but none were better documented than Israel's greatest king, David. David was the youngest of eight brothers. Following the disobedience of King Saul, God chose the youth David, uh, the youth David a man after his own heart, 1 Samuel 13, 14, to be the next king, the son of Jesse from the tribe of Judah. Upon the death of Saul, at the hand of the Philistines, David became king of Judah. He ruled Judah for seven years before uniting all of Israel under a single government. King David ruled the Jewish people for 40 years, dying of natural causes at the age of 70. He was succeeded by his son Solomon in 1 Kings 2 and 12. The book of 1st through 2nd Samuel, 1st Kings and 1st Chronicles give details of David's life and reign. In addition, he authored many of the Psalms, which gave us amazing insight into his personal thoughts and struggles. David's military and political achievements are legendary, even those outside of the church know. As a youth, he defeated the Philistine, uh, Philistine giant Goliath, and once king, he united the kingdom, captured Jerusalem, and made it Israel's capital, significantly expanded the borders, and made preparation for the construction of the first temple. David and later his son Solomon reigned during what we think of Israel's golden age. His achievements as king and the fact that he was a man after God's own heart, David struggled in his personal life. His personal sins and family problems are almost as well known as his number of successes. He was a poly polygamist having at least seven wives and a number of concubines. This led to significant discord with it within his family. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered to cover it up. The sin further undermined his reign. His firstborn son and likely heir raped his half-brother in revenge. Later, he led the military rebellion against David in an attempt to make himself king. In direct disobedience to God's command, David called for a census of his military, which resulted in God sending a plague that killed 70,000 Israelites. At the end of his life, while David lay dying, his son, attempted to take the throne, would later be killed by his half-brother Solomon, David's chosen successor. King David knew great personal sorrow, which is clear from his own writings in the Psalms, a set of songs, hymns, or poems that were used in worship by the Jewish people. 
The Psalms can be categorized into uh, various types and genres, which include what, which include lam- laments, songs of praise, liturgy. I probably said that wrong. Songs of thanksgiving, wisdom, psalms, pilgrim songs. Of the seventy-eight psalms authored by David, over half of the laments expressing grief or sorrow. A thorough review of his writings show that David described experiencing all of the symptoms of major depressive disorder. In his psalms, David tangibly experienced the physical pain felt in depression. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All of my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. Psalms 38, 6-10 He describes the overwhelming loneliness of being trapped in a pit of darkness. I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. Psalms 31, 11 my friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stray far away. Psalms 38:11. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. Psalms 69 and 8. As he experiences the terrifying spiritual isolation one feels from God. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Psalms 13, 1-3 David's centuries-old descriptions of his depressive experience are identical to what we hear from those suffering with depressive disorder today. Depressive disorders negatively affect every aspect of an individual's being, body, mind, spirit, and relationships. Two significant adverse events in David's life described in the scriptures may have been the result of his depression. In 2 Samuel 11, 1, it says that this, in the spring, at the time when kings go to war, David is clearly distressed, and at this time, because he is unable to sleep, 2 Samuel 11, 2, his distress and inability to lead his army may have been the result of a major depressive episode. The symptoms of major depressive disorder cause significant impairment in an individual's ability to function occupationally. Depression also significantly impairs an individual's ability to interact with and relate to others. Three of David's sons violate significant family and relational boundaries, but the scriptures describe David as being emotionally paralyzed and unable to uh, discipline or correct them. 2 Samuel 13, 21, 18, 5, 19, 1 through 7, and 1 Kings 1 and 6, which result in even greater personal turmoil and tragedy. There is an important lesson to be learned from this biblical example of depression. In a time before psychological and psych- psychiatric treatments existed, David found relief from his suffering in God's unchanging character, infinite faithfulness, and unconditional love. David took his sorrow and pain to God, and there he found a foundation of hope from which he could rebuild, hope that transcends our circumstances and even depression. 
is only available in the loving God who created us, sustains us, and made a way for us to be in an eternal relationship with Him. David knew this truth well, and he tightly held to it throughout his life. Our first response in times of mental distress should be to seek God. Finding our hope in Him is the first step on the journey to recovery. Thank you everyone for joining us this week on Breaking Apostolic Taboo during our lesson series on Grace for the Afflicted by Matthew S. Stanford. I am so thankful that y'all have been tuning into this and we will see you next week.